Ladies and gentlemen, this is the home of the most controversial football takes and opinions, as well as the home of elite football knowledge. When you hear that, you know you already know what it is. This is the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast. I am back again for yet another, yet a casual, usual, typical match week or Premier League match week roundup. This is going to be for match week 11. I am joined by a guest. I am hoping, hoping his availability will allow him to, but hoping he will be the consistent Monday you know, appearance or Sunday, Monday, whatever the term is, one of those two teams, he'll be the main appearance maker for those days. Say what's up, everybody, to your new or my new favorite co-host, probably your new favorite co-host, Bino, say what's up to the people. Hey, guys. Um, you will get tired of my controversial takes and uh, <laughs> saying that players are shit when you guys think they're good, but yeah, that's me. Uh, just for some more context, he didn't get to give that much just now, but he's a big uh, Manchester City slash Arsenal fan, as we know there are many of those out there. <clears throat> They're very hidden, you know, hidden in, the, in abundance. Arteta leaves City and he joins Arsenal, and all of a sudden he loves Arsenal and he loves City. So speak on that. Speak about your past of enjoying both of those teams, especially Arsenal. As I know you realize I'm really an Arsenal fan. Wenger game was great to see. Then fans took it out of place, out of pocket. They said Wenger out when it should have never happened. Yep. Man didn't finish below top four for so long. And then they say, oh, they bring someone in. Garbage. And I rate Sevilla's... Uh, Una Emery? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I rate him. Villarreal's now. But Villarreal, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I rate him. It's just it wasn't a system for him. How are we going to have David Luiz at the back? <laughs> Mustafi. I love Mustafi. You can't have them. By the way, he's Albanian, by the way. So that's why he said that. But yeah. yeah. You can't have it. You can't have it. <laughs> and then you have Prime Jaka getting you red cards. <laughs> Prime Jaka. So how are you going to play 10 men playing at the back? <laughs> and the Una Emery system that you know wasn't suiting the team. I know. Exactly. So I, I feel like he's very good at Villarreal. I read the team now. They're a great team. Mm-hmm. Great to watch. Mm-hmm. They, they compete with the best of the best. They, they bring Unai. They don't do good. They sack him. They bring some, someone else. Coach. Uh garbage and they fall out and they lose everything they bring like a Z. they try to bring obama young they try to spark something but it, again they're never fixing the back and they always try to go with a defensive play and it just never materialized worked. exactly mm-hmm. and until arteta i don't think something came and even arteta something really came about last year in my opinion when you have odegaard coming in when you have Saka playing better, when you have Martinelli, Martinelli, you have Jaka coming and setting a better uh, precedent system. for the team. Exactly, yeah. and it's Ramsdale. I know you don't like Ramsdale, but no, he's good. He's playing a lot better, and it's just the team is there. You had Leno before. Leno was good too, but lots of mistakes. They're both making lots of mistakes, but Ramsdale so far has been more consistent. And he wants to learn too. Yes, yes. And now you bring Gabriel Jesus that plays game changer. I don't think anyone expected Jesus to play like he did. No. But things thing is, Arsenal bought him at the right time because yes. he played very well at the end of the last season for City. Yeah. So he's and striking. The oil is hot right now. Yeah. And he has to prove himself because he wants to be part of the squad for the World Cup. Yep. And the way he was playing at City, even though he's playing well, he's never going to make it because he's not even making it in the City squad. Which is not, which isn't that unimpressive because City's team is so stacked. As we know, I even Mares, Grealish, these guys don't play all the time either. I know, but I know. But I agree with you that he was not really getting. He was not a mainstay. Was not a first name on the team sheet no. for City at all. And at Arsenal, we know he's he's been that, and he will exactly. continue to and be think that. Think about Brazil. Brazil has so many talents. If you're not going to be the first one on your team, you're not going to make it in Brazil's team. True, that's very true. They need to see that you're playing week in week out for the club that you're at, or else you're not touching the bench. Although I have to argue that Jesus is probably one of Brazil's best attackers. I think that's quite clear. Absolutely. If you know, if you, I mean, if you're watching Brazil and, and you see them, then that's definitely a case like it's yeah. it's proven. Whether that's at City, whether that's at Arsenal, it's when he plays, Absolutely. he gives you something you don't get from other but they players. Have too much quality. Uh, it's a it's a bad problem to have. Right? It is. It's a headache that Chiche, the manager, yeah. I don't know how he manages to deal with that. Rafinha and then Anthony and you know Jesus and Richarlison, Lucas Paqueta, Firmino, Firmino, Coutinho, Neymar, yeah. No, this goes. I mean, I'm not going to mention Neymar. I, I think know. he's guaranteed to play. Yeah. But yeah, but it's just a headache because how do you play everyone together? Right? You can't. You really can't. It's a, it's it's an issue. It's a situation of which where you have a, a, an abundance of riches. Yes. And sometimes you prefer to have less because that way you have just kind of pick what you know the squad yeah, you have. Like, you, take, you take what you got. You know, yeah, like man. and you don't I, complain. I pick my two players and we're good to go. Yeah, exactly. Everyone else, I just fill in the spot. <laughs> exactly. Like this position, I like you. Okay, you come in. <laughs> exactly. How much your father pay me? Okay, we can, <laughs> we can bring you in. You can play next year. Next next week, start starting. Left wing, you're left wing. Uh, I'm sorry, my son. That's what it is. A lot of those coaches. 
Play your son. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Volunteer dads. You know, Absolutely. those ones that the, dad, the dad's like, yeah, my son's playing striker today. <laughs> and it's like, yo, I scored 10 goals last game. No, 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 no. He's playing striker today. Who do you think brought you your water bottle? I did. <laughs> I did. Who drove you here? I did. <laughs> I did. So my son's playing. That's how it works. <laughs> exactly. No, for sure. Uh, I was a bit, a bit of a quick spiel there. But anyways, we'll, we'll get straight into the real, real, real action. Let's start off at Manchester City or Liverpool Anfield versus Manchester City. Uh, again, again, this is probably the game of the weekend, the game that we were all keeping our eyes on. I'm certain, you know, you're watching it, keeping close Absolutely. eye. I definitely was too. This game finished, for just for context, it had finished one nothing to Liverpool, thanks to a Mohamed, you know, Bino's favorite player of all time. If you guys don't know, he's a huge Salah fan, you know. like he Actually, he told me off air that he was considering getting a Salah tattoo. He said he's not tied at all, but Bino does not have any tattoos, but he would definitely get Mohamed Salah's name written on him to say how much he loves Mohamed Salah, you know. He's not a Liverpool fan, by the way, guys. He's truly an Arsenal fan, but he loves Salah, so this goal meant a lot. None of what I said is true. He's not a Salah fan at all. And I'm, he's probably just as annoyed with this result as I am. But I mean, for Liverpool's sake and for the game's sake, given the quality of it, you know, it was definitely a good watch. But, you know, what did you think of the proceedings overall? I'm pissed. Uh, yeah, You're pissed? Plain and simple. Guys, <laughs> I'm pissed, and yeah. that's it. <laughs> yeah, what can I say? I know City didn't play their full team. I know they didn't play the right formation that they usually have. Mm-hmm. I know they had a Champions League game before. Yep. I know that again they have games in the midweek, and they have another game at the end of the week too. So they want to keep their players to not get injured. But you can't play three at the back when you've been playing four at the back for the past four years. That's what the gaps came from. No one is used to playing three, and you have Cancelo making that mistake. But you had so many chances at the front too, and I think Liverpool really parked the bus. Mm -hmm. Liverpool parked the bus. They focused on defend, and I feel like that's what they missed the whole season is they came thinking, we finished second last year, we could have won, we should win this year. We have a new striker, we have the same defense, we're going to be good, and they lacked. They lacked drive, they lacked some sort of fear against other teams. And they got exposed by Fulham the first week. And I think this week they came back to Man City and they were ready for them. I, I find it really interesting. Two things. Firstly, is the fact that Liverpool, I mean, football is such a very volatile game. Because if had Liverpool lost this match, I think Klopp would have been really in the hot seat, first of all. And for them to win this game gave Klopp so much of a, you know, a reinvigoration into Liverpool's culture. Because let's be honest, let's be real, Liverpool fans, let's be honest. I've heard, see, I've seen many of you guys on the TL. And by the way, before I go on, before I continue, please make sure to download, to subscribe, to follow, and to share this podcast with everyone that you know that loves football as much as we do on the Stephen Talk Soccer podcast. But let me get, but forget the plugging. Let me get back to what I was saying. On the TL, I was seeing many Liverpool fans post lost again. Who's he losing against? Against Arsenal, the, you know, company, you know, the, the draw against Brighton. Klopp should leave. He's too emotional. He's not a tactician. He's just a man manager. Klopp needs to go. And I'm telling you, had Liverpool lost this game against City, I'm almost certain that there would have been some real conversations had about you know Liverpool's recent performances. Yes, they beat uh, a very very poor Rangers side seven one, which I knew was going to give them momentum in this game. Hence why I went for a two two score line. I mean, it could have ended as a draw. Probably should have, given the nonsense, which we'll get to in a second with the Haaland, uh, you know, pulled on on Fabinho. But overall, I thought that the game just represented how quickly things can change. Because Liverpool win this game, and all of a sudden we're saying to each other, yo, Liverpool are back, Liverpool are back. Like, you know, when you know, Salah scores a goal, classic Liverpool, we score a goal away, you know, home at Anfield, we beat City, now Liverpool are going to go on to win the league, win the Champions League. Like, and all of a sudden we forget the whole cloud that was existing over Liverpool for the last two or three weeks, four or five weeks now. And just because of one result, which tells you how quickly things can change in the matter of a, a moment, you know? Sorry for the little rant, but I hope that made sense. Liverpool is not playing the Liverpool they played last year. No! They lost Mane and it changed everything. They brought Jota to replace Firmino. But not done that. do it when you don't have Mane? In exactly. Because you need three of them as a part of a trio. It doesn't exist with just the one in isolation. And then Salah cannot do anything by himself. Mo Salah. Speaking of Salah, by the way, before we, before I kind of you know disrespect him, because Bino and I were definitely gonna do that almost immediately, given who it is. We're not really Salah fans here in this podcast. Not my brother isn't. You know, Julian isn't either. Everyone that's been on this podcast, most of us don't like Salah. So it's, I'm, I'm sorry, Salah fans. You know, Salah stands. People who tell me he's better than Ronaldinho, which is absolute fraudulence. Anyways, the point is. Salah, I will be honest, it was an absolutely brilliant goal. And the, the pass from Becker, who looked like he slipped and completely lost his, you know, his balance, finds a lovely sprayed out pass to Salah in the 1v1 
1v1, in quotes, situation with Joao Cancelo, who, by the way, had one of the worst games in a City shirt that I've ever seen. He was shocking, not even just for that goal, but his distribution looked poor. You know, his defensive awareness looked really bad, obviously, for the goal. That's what happened, but not the Cancelo we saw against Dortmund, but the pass to Haaland, or, the, you know, the Cancelo I played against Southampton last week, where he literally scored. Or really just a very different player. Don't, don't know what happened to him, but he got frazzled by Salah. And Salah, again, to his credit, was on one-on-one. You'd never expect him to miss that. That's, that's literally his bread and butter. One-on-one with the keeper. You expect him to put it back in the net. I know it's going to be hard for you, Bino, but can you give him some credit? Give him some praise, you know, vis-a-vis the goal, the only goal of the game that, you know, ended up make, making Liverpool the win the match? Nice. The goal is nice. But if he missed, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny. There actually was a moment earlier in the game where he had a one-on-one like that, and he did miss the net. I know. Yeah. I told you. I wasn't surprised. (laughs) That's fine. So this surprised you then, the fact that he scored. (laughs) Okay. I'm telling you. I was watching the game, and I saw it, and I said, okay, okay, okay. We're good. And then he scored, and I said, there's no way he scored. <laughs> you checked again. Like, kind of, you know, I had to. I you had, had to refresh to. the page. Like, did this really happen? My phone, my phone uh, bugged, and I see him running the other side. And I said, oh, good. He missed. And I see everyone's cheering. I said, oh, no. <laughs> he said, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Not Salah. Um, Liverpool were in 11th place prior to the game. They're now in 8th place in the table. And again, that tells you what we need to know. Liverpool being in, in, you know, in the bottom half of the table, which is unheard of. Everyone has Liverpool finishing their top four in the, their predictions. I have it. Most people who watch football will have it. Uh, I think this game will be a, a, probably a very good, big confidence booster and will probably set Liverpool you know, on the right path and right trajectory for the rest of the season. We'll see because they could still definitely, you know, once they pay, I mean, let's add something to this equation. They didn't play Trent in this game, which I thought, which I thought was very interesting because Klopp, obviously, he must be seeing what we see on the timeline. Trent getting spun week in and week out. And he said to himself, okay, let's play a Milner, a more experienced, my former Manchester City defender or player in, in James Milner. Let's see if he can do a job. And I'll be, I'll be completely honest. He kind of got spun by Foden as well. Foden did end up scoring as well. But I think overall, Milner gave way more solidity, way more of experience and know-how that allowed Liverpool to be a lot more, as Bino said earlier, a lot more defensively solid, which was their game plan. If you had played someone like Trent, who we know defensively he's quite suspect, and he probably would have led to some sort of stupid lapse in concentration, Absolutely. which leads to uh, Liverpool conceding. Absolutely, because Milner doesn't play up either. Exactly. Milner stays at the back. Milner does his job. Trent wants to be... A winger. Exactly. So then he's going to go up, and then it gives the space, and then if you give the space to Holland, It's over. It's over. How are you going to give a space to De Bruyne that's going to distribute the ball to Holland? It's done. It's done. It's done. You have Gundogan, you have Foden, you have Holland. Who are you going to pass to? You don't know. And then you have to pass to Holland, and then the space is there, and he scores. That's what he does. Yeah. And then Trent is not there to give us one of his classical clinic defense. <laughs> and that's what happened. I was telling Adamo the whole time, where's Trent to give me uh, some great defense? This is too good. I want Trent in. And now we're going to see how great Holland is. No, seriously. But that's what it was. Yeah, it's true. And I, and I, we can talk on this now. The main talking point from the game from a City perspective, which made Guardiola absolutely furious post-match and even during the game, where, you know, Holland shrugs off or shrugs off, rips Fabino's jersey, you could say, puts him to the ground. I didn't think it was a foul, to be honest. But then it falls towards... You know, fourth so worth Foden in the box after a fumble in the area from Liverpool. Foden capitalizes and put makes it one nothing at the time for City. And then Anthony Taylor, who by the way had an absolute shocking, shocking at how that free kick on who was it? Someone got fouled. I think it was Salah. Salah got fouled, and then all of a sudden Anthony Taylor just looked away and as if nothing happened, which I thought was shocking because that's yeah, man. What type of great Kali Undertaker? You know, John Cena. You can't see me. You know, CM Punk. You know, what's the what's the, the sleeping whatever sweet sweet chin? That's on Shawn Michaels. Anyways, I mix up my WWE superstars. <laughs> the point is, it was a clear foul yes. from 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 whoever. Forget, Silva, yes, Bernardo Silva on Salah. But let me get back to the initial City chance where there was a foul deemed in the buildup for City's goal and on Holland from Holland on Fabinho. I didn't think that was a foul, but City ended up scoring from it. And Anthony Taylor checked VAR, said it was a foul, disallowed the goal. Guardiola was screaming at Liverpool, both the referees and the fans. Uh, and it was pretty funny to see from a neutral perspective. But I really thought that that goal probably should have been given. What did you think? Absolutely. You thought that should have been a... Absolutely. How are you going to tell Alan that he's being too physical? When his whole bread and butter is being physical. And exactly. For the, past, for the past 10 weeks, we've been seeing him being bully physical. And bully and defenders. no one said anything. Yep. And suddenly... You can't you can't shrug off an old man. But I don't get it though, because Fabino is not a five foot three player. Fabino's six four, yeah. six five. He's a big lad. 
We're not talking about Hal. It's not David and Goliath. This was Goliath versus Goliath. Yeah. There's two giants. It's like it's like a you know Mister Fantastic fighting up against I don't know the old combined Power Rangers group. If you know, you know the, the all the four or five Power Rangers combining together to be to make that one big Power Ranger with the huge sword. It's two giants going up yeah. against each other. But that's what you see. You see someone tall falling down, you give a foul. Exactly. That's that's what they do. And then I have a thing where I have this theory where. They always try to make the game more interesting when it's Liverpool City. Yes. Oh, seen, my God. Have yes. Have last year? I think it was uh, Henderson that was on a yellow card. He does a foul that should have been a second yellow card and would have been a red. How did he not? Same one. Solid scores right after. And then it becomes 2-1. And then they come back to do 2-2. So it's a tie. But it would have been the end of the game right there. Imagine 1-1 with a red card with 30 minutes left to play. City would have ran with it. But then they want to make it interesting. Same thing again. Silly City, you know, City City goes up front is the end of the game. Liverpool cannot come back because Liverpool needs to open up. They need to go upwards. They need to leave some spot in defense and then it's going to leave them open and City is going to go and score again. They can't have it. So, again, that's my theory. I'm, uh, again, it's probably not true. It's <laughs> no, it's friendly, definitely true. But I think they tried to make the game uh, more interesting and they tried to level it up until Liverpool can do it so that City can catch. Yeah, I think so too. I feel like this game because they know how many eyes are going to be on it and how highly you know um, watched this game is by the, the neutrals and just football fans in general because they obviously the two biggest teams currently at the terms of success in the Premier League between which are Liverpool and City. I think the player you're mentioning is James Milner last season, and that's exactly what it was. And I remember thinking that at that time too that clearly there's an agenda. There's like kind of some sort of morphing going on here that makes the game naturally 90 minutes worth of full entertainment because we know if the game i think it happened like the 60 or 70th minute when that happened had that happened at that moment in the in time in the game not people not the people stop watching all that happens as well but the game loses its zest it loses its value it loses its spiciness its bite that you normally get when you have 11 v 11 especially in a game of such high magnitude yeah, with two absolutely. big teams you know what i mean absolutely. and it wasn't a red card because a red card that will cause commotion they will allow it. Yeah. Because it was a yellow. Yes. That would have been a second yellow. And then they would have cried. Yeah. And they know because they know red cards can be checked by VAR. Which, by the way, I don't understand why you can only check straight reds, but you can't check second yellows. Uh, What's the reasoning behind that? I, They're both red card offenses. At the second one is absolutely. I don't get that. that. That's nonsense to me. But again, VAR, I've spoken about it at length. At literally nearly every episode, every, nearly every episode, my front of the week is literally one of those things. So I won't do that again this episode. But I feel like the Liverpool City game has way too much, you know, riding on it than we just than we think that meets the eye. You know, more than just the football. Uh, you know, vis a vis. Or I guess alluding to what Bino's uh, theory was. But um, we'll move on to the next big six team to play. I think we'll switch gears over to uh, Bino's second favorite player, Harry Kane. You know, he plays for Spurs. The greatest English striker of all time. You know, the greatest Englishman of all time. Uh, Spurs 2, Everton nil. Frank, super Frankie Lampard's Everton riding up over onto the Tottenham Hot, this brand new, modern, extremely, you know, innovative Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Everton nil, Tottenham 2, Harry Kane on the score sheet from the penalty spot after missing a penalty in midweek against Frankfurt and scoring one in that game as well. But missing one of the penalty, you know, penalty in that game against Frankfurt and then scoring one here against Everton to make it one nothing. And then Pierre-Emile, he's scoring week in, week out right now, it feels for Tottenham. Hoybier scored as well to make it 2 nothing for Spurs. Bino, give me your spiel. Give me your thoughts and opinions. How do you feel about this match? Do you think it was a good or, or deserved victory for Tottenham Hotspur? To me, it's a deserved victory because Tottenham does play better. They have better football, in my opinion, than Everton. Everton is a lack of football, in my opinion, right you now. You think so, huh? Yeah. Um, lack of strategy or lack of vision right now, in my opinion. But then, again, you have two of the best Englishmen, Kane versus Bigford, so the trash of the team fighting each other, and that's what happens. One out trashes the other person, and that's what it is. Pickford didn't stop the <laughs> penalty because it wasn't a great penalty. Of which he also conceded as well, Pickford. I yeah, I know. So I'm telling you. He out trashed <laughs> him. That's what it was. <laughs> Both in conceding it and then letting it go in Absolutely. after it. There was no clinic, clinical uh, tactician or any sort of nice move to show that he could have really had it. And then suddenly, oh, he trips him. Mm-hmm. Said, no, he's just absolute garbage. And then garbage... <laughs> Gives more garbage, and that's what happened here. <laughs> in 
English finesse. <laughs> That's really funny. I, thought, I mean, I'll give, I'll give, I will give Kane English. I will give Kane his credit. He's a very good penalty kick, penalty kick taker. And by, by most games that he plays, I often think he's going to score when he's at the spot. I think overall Spurs did not play well. I'm going to be honest. They were the better team between them and Everton. And, and a victory is deserved given that they were more impressive in whatever way you could think of. However, when I was watching this game, I was getting very frustrated because I couldn't take how redundant and how boring this Conte style is looking at Spurs. I, I mean, as a Chelsea fan, I've watched Conte at my team. And again, I don't mean to compare, but I'm going to be honest. I don't think Spurs have any player anywhere near like Eden Hazard at Chelsea, especially not underneath Antonio Conte. I can tell you from personal experience watching it. And I'm not expecting Spurs to be like having that exciting one individual that can beat three or four men, but simply a bit more impetus in attack. Spurs don't attack like that. Very, very lethargic. It's very systematic, which isn't wrong because it lets you win games, which is fine. But this is how I see it. Bino, tell me what you think when, when I'm finished. But if you're a Tottenham fan who hasn't won a trophy in literally 15 or 16 years, surely you'd like to, yes, you want to prioritize winning games. That's fair. But surely you'd like to, you'd like to know that you're playing some sort of brand that's entertaining and, and, and what's it called? Representative of the, you know, the team that you support. Let's be completely real here, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a Spurs fan, you are not enjoying what you're watching on TV. You're enjoying the result of the game, but you are not enjoying the, the, the style of football that we know Spurs have been known to play with Red Knapp, with Andre Villas-Boas, whatever, with whatever manager it may have been. And now with Conte, it's, yes, you're winning, you're winning games, and that's wonderful, but are you going to win trophies even if you're, you're not playing good football? And I would argue that, yes, Spurs are winning matches with Conte, but I don't think that these wins or these you know this type of just kind of hoping for a one or nothing two or nothing or two or nothing result is going to let you win those big accolades that you've been screaming for for decades or at least a decade and more uh, i agree with you i think people are frustrated and i think Conte is frustrated himself because he told him hazard with chelsea hazard with chelsea controversial opinion was Ballon d'Or bound in my opinion agreed 100 agreed absolutely crazy yeah Failed man him. there was no one else if there was no Messi Ronaldo, I think he would have won a battle. Done. Agreed, one hundred percent. I agree. I've said this many times before. I think that at that time he was reaching a level that players, especially in the Premier League, don't often get to. Not only in terms of output, but also in terms of you know performances, in terms of individual performances, but even just the fact that. You knew, I don't mean to compare, because I don't think they're comparable. I think this guy's even better than Hazard. But Ronaldinho at Barcelona, for example, which is the period of many fans started watching the game, Ronaldinho made you, made you enjoy and love football. Absolutely. When I watched Hazard at Chelsea, and again, this is partly my bias, because he's arguably, if not my favorite ever player, I've said this many times on the podcast. But for me, I remember as a Chelsea fan, Hazard made me enjoy watching the sport. This is part of the reason why I became such a big Chelsea fan, why I became such a big soccer fan, because I remember watching Chelsea week in, week out, and thinking, he's going to make me smile today. I'm going to get that feeling of excitement, of feeling of unpredictability. Like he's going to beat two or three guys, drop a shoulder, and then score. That's what it is. You drop him at any point of the game, and you have a new game. Every single time. Chelsea's losing. You put him on. Chelsea has a different game. They might still lose. Yep. But you have a different views to tackle now. And you have to change your plan, and you have to change everything. Because he can single-handedly change the game. Exactly. And I mean, Conte's realized that if you don't have players of that elite caliber of playmaking and, you know, consistent contribution, you have to find a way to make the team still gel. And I will give him credit. He's done that. Making Ben Davies, who I think is a shocking... He's not even a footballer. I think Ben Davies is just a, a pedestrian in the Spurs team. I'm going to be honest with you. He's not a footballer to me. Making someone like, what's his name? Uh, Eric Dyer, who, by the way, for me, is a massive, massive fraud. I'm going to be completely real. Making these guys look a lot better, a lot more competent footballers than they actually are. No, but... You're right. I think the first week was the first week where they really showed how great they could be. Yep. The cross from both sides, Kulisevsky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. That's what they ended up last season. Kulisevsky came to the team and he was playing He's very the good. time of his life. Yeah, I rate, I rate Kulisevsky. And then they changed the style of play and then it just died down. And we have 1-0, No, no. It's... I understand that 2-2 against Chelsea might have been a bit controversial, but... We should have won that game. We were by far the better team. <laughs> stupid, but, stupid Anthony Taylor, man. Yeah, stupid Anthony Taylor. You know, hair got in the way. <laughs> <laughs> moving on, man. Moving on. Moving on to the next big season game. We'll talk about your club now, actually. Leeds versus Arsenal. Leeds, nil. Arsenal won at Ellen Road. Top of the table. Arsenal heading over to Leeds. To, uh, you know, I think it's, what's it, Yorkshire? Is that correct? I think it's correct. My, my English geography should be decent. But uh, really, really, really controversial game here for Leeds versus Arsenal. 
Bukayo Saka, who scored the only goal in the win against Bodo Glimp for Arsenal in midweek, did the same thing again against Leeds. Arsenal, who again have looked all utterly, almost ultimately, completely unstoppable so far this Premier League season, barring the one game against United, which is ironically United or shit. But anyways, Arsenal with a very priceless win, especially away home to a team that we know is going to give you literally 150% for that manager, who again, I don't really rate Jesse March, but they do perform at such a very, very high intense level almost every single game. When they're on it, especially in front of the home ground, they give it everything to go out and give a performance. Arsenal were able to kind of quell that threat. And able to score a very, very good goal. Man, what a finish that was from Bukayo Saka. I'm telling you, he's only going to rise to the top. Not a player, again, that I'm going to talk about. Oh, yeah, he's the second coming of Garincha. The second coming of Jairzinho from Brazil. I'd never do that. But I feel like in terms of England talent, you can see why he starts for England and why he should be for the future. Definitely one of Arsenal's best players and one of the most consistent recently as well. Really, really versatile and and. uh but nowadays, it's just a very consistent threat, you know, and scoring the goal showed that again. So I'll let the Arsenal fan take it away because, you know, this is really his team. So he can speak on it in much more, you know, accurate depth. I'm happy for Saka. I'm happy for him because until now or a couple of weeks ago, he wasn't really scoring, but he was a threat. Every time he would draw a defender next to him, he would have nice shots. He would be there, but he wouldn't be scoring. And now he's finally there. And on top of this, he's scoring penalties, which for me, I'm happy because of the big England controversies when uh, he came. Exactly. So I think I think Arsenal deserve to win. Granit Jaka, absolute masterclass as usual. <laughs> Best player on the Jaka team. Masterclass. But you never know against Leeds. You never know which Leeds is going to appear in front of you. So true. And if they come and they feel themselves and they are connected, mm-hmm. you can have one of your worst game and you're going to regret it. Ask Chelsea. Exactly. But I feel like this is what happens with Leeds. Leeds always performs well against big teams. They do. They have a record. Of, but or, I don't know about Arsenal. Or, Arsenal Arsenal often kind of bop Leeds. You guys yeah. are good against them. Or you have Leeds absolutely getting destroyed. Oh, my Lord. They get beaten like 7 yeah. or 8 nothing, like they did with Bielsa. Nearly yeah. every game against a big six side. But that's what I'm telling you. You never know which Leeds will show up. Uh, exactly. Very, very true. I mean, I think we we should touch on the controversy and then we'll move on very quickly. This game didn't really have that many moments of excitement, barring the last couple of minutes where the game really got became very frantic and frenetic because of the fact that Leeds were obviously trying to get back into the game, trying to find an equalizer, muster some sort of you know result or, or um, opportunity to, to to get at least a point. Uh, the, the whole controversy where the Gabriel Magalhaes, again, another defender. I keep saying this, but another player that I'm not really the biggest fan of. I think he has a bit of a, a bit of a, a clumsy side to his game. But Bino and I have spoken about this off air before as well. But regardless, he made a blunder, what we the referee deemed as a blunder, as a, as a foul. But forget on who, but one of the elite attackers. And then he ended up getting sent off at a penalty in the same in the same sequence. The referee then decided, and this has been a big trend this weekend in the, in, in England. Finally, the referees go to check VAR. Finally, it's been the feels like the first time in forever they've literally gone to go check the monitor and they never do that unless they're going to go give a penalty as opposed to taking away a red card at one anyways then the referee goes to go check var he sees the monitor he sees okay clearly it wasn't a red card offense takes away the red card and then then subsequently takes away the penalty and then arsenal hold out for a very very good and very i guess a very very um hard earned hard fought one nothing result away at leeds you could argue Leeds were maybe hard done by given the fact that they worked so hard to gain that penalty to earn that chance to go on and score a goal that probably would have led to the you know the only the, the equalizing goal of the game and then uh, honor spoiled. However, I mean Arsenal continue to roll on to steamroll these teams that again traditionally Arsenal would struggle a lot against, but recently have really found a way, especially with this new we've got Super Mick Arteta. He's gone. Exactly. I hear this every single game now, man. It reminds me of Super Super Tommy Tuchel. Rest in peace, Thomas Tuchel. But anyways, uh, yeah, we hear this Mikel Arteta, you know, new, new Mikel Arteta football. Yeah, just to really quickly wrap up on Arsenal, you know, very, very good performance overall and a team that continues to impress me and it shows me that they're definitely the team to be reckoned with. Clearly, they're in a title race right now and I, I never thought I'd be saying that at this point in time in the season or even just in general. I knew they were going to get better, and they still look like they will. I still question the depth that Arsenal have long term. I will see what I can do towards May or you know April and May. But I feel like the starting eleven, especially when they play Jack and Thomas Partey, who we know is the heartbeat of what makes Arsenal so good. I think that's something never nobody ever talks about. But that midfield duo, they have so much chemistry, so much understanding, and they're just so physically dominant against most opposition midfields that when they play well, Arsenal play well and they win games. So go on, Billy. If I want to add something to that, uh, I have nothing to to add. It's just I agree. You agree? Yeah. yeah? It's. It's always like this. You see Arsenal, they will play good. And it's always from a couple players. 
And once they really bring the momentum, everyone goes into it and buys into it. So true. But I don't know how long we're going to see this happening. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're doomed to see them really struggle and have a bad game. And I want to see how they're going to react to it. That's going to be where we're going to see if Arsenal is going to be able to be in a title race or not. Because so far, it's been too easy for them. Yep. And yeah, you're going to say they lost against menu but to me they should have won that game yes they should have I thought they, they, was, I thought they were the better team as well. absolutely yeah they were the better team so it's easy to come back when you know you were the better team it's hard when you know you, you should have lost badly exactly and you played like shit exactly yeah and it's true. like how are you going to come back and but they already have, know that though yeah he said but it. if you have two tough games in a row and then it happens you lose two times then you start to lose belief lose exactly. momentum, lose confidence which we know arsenal are, they're a very young team so they're extremely a, a very confidence-based team when and they feel good they play good but think about it. You have City. City doesn't lose games. Nope. City lose rarely. They will tie sometimes. But again, you give them that opportunity of losing two or three games, and they're coming for your points. And they're not going to let go. They're going to nope. tell you until you drop. Yep. And I feel like right now Arsenal can finally breathe a bit, but it's too early. We're week 11. We still have 30 more weeks to go. Yeah. We're, We're going to see how it goes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, 30 weeks is probably very accurate. Yeah. yeah. No, it's true. You're right. And you can see with City, they have a relentless nature about them and a, and a history of winning repeatedly now where that's kind of ingrained in their, you know, Premier League DNA where every season, even if they're not in first place by match week, whatever, 10 or 11, we do know that at some point they're going to continue to keep that same foot on the pedal where even if they're playing like shit in games and they're clearly not being as as uh, dominant as they expect them to be or even just, you know, winning matches by big scorelines, they still find a way to win every week. Yeah, they have a champion's mentality. And rightfully so, they've won uh, for the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. For the last five years, Absolutely. City, which is ridiculous to yeah. me, by the way. But like, that's a different conversation for a no. different day. So, yeah, they have a mentality of champions. And they know that even if they trail behind, they have the capability of coming back. And that's what we saw last game of the last season. Yep. They're trailing behind uh, 2-0. That was and really impressive. Yet, they come back as if nothing is happening. Because they know they can do it. And it's very different when a team knows they can do it and a team that doesn't know if they can actually do it. Mm-hmm. And they just say... Oh, let's go out there and try our best instead of we got this. Let's just play our game and we'll and get we're gonna there. We're going to win. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a winner's mentality. You're right. And you often only get that when you do win the league. When you're not winning the league and you're just competing for it, yeah. things kind of fluctuated. You mentioned but that's, that they're in and out. You don't that's Real know. Madrid and uh, Champions League. The exactly. same thing. For them, it's a, it's a, it's a given. It's almost yeah. like a surefire. We're going to win this. Thing. Exactly. It's a mentality thing. And if they lose, they're, they can't accept it and they will come back and try their best. And that's what what it is yep. it's a mentality thing and that's what beat City that's what beat PSG that's what beat Chelsea. almost everyone against uh, in that run yeah mentality they were strong and they never let go I think never they were trailing in every single one of the games they they came to the second leg and they still came with the mentality of winning yeah no it's true that's a good point Oh, that's right. That's deep. Moving on, <laughs> when we come back, we'll be looking at the games between Man- of Manchester United's game. We'll be looking at Chelsea's game. And I believe that's it for the top six before we run through very quickly to, to the other matches of the Premier League match week 11 once we return soon. And now let's head straight over to Villa Park, Chelsea 2 Aston Villa nil. Thank you, Tyrone Mings. You are an absolute god. You are a G. Thank you so much because we were playing like utter crap. We were shockingly bad. This is the worst I've seen us play in any grand parties so far. And I'll give my little quick Chelsea rant before I give it over to Bino to kind of give his neutral and probably rational perspective as a you know non-biased or non um, subjective fan. But the point is, is, for me as a Chelsea fan, I thought we were absolutely shocking. I was watching the game and literally chewing my teeth like, a, you know, grating cheese on a grater. Like, I literally couldn't take my eyes off the game. I was so, like, worried. I was like, please, Villa, don't score. And that really didn't end up happening because of one man who I'm going to tell you guys right now had arguably the greatest game, the greatest game in the Chelsea shirt that I've literally have ever seen him have. And he's had a very, very tough time at Chelsea. I'll give him that. That It's not been easy. Chelsea's not an easy club to go to when you're not playing well. Uh, Kepa Riza Balaga, I'm telling you right now, if you're ever listening to this, you ever hear this, I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely couldn't thank you enough for not only this performance, but how good you've been for the last three or four or five games. 
thoroughly impressed me. I thought Kepa was by far the best player on the pitch, especially from a Chelsea perspective. Saved literally everything. I think he had eight saves in, in the first half, and at least three or four of them were, should have been goal-bound. Villa had like a 1.8 XG literally from the first half of the game. That means two goals should have been scored in the opening 45 minutes. He saved the header from Danny Ings, which I know we all saw, and it definitely should have been a goal from any other keeper. That's a golazo. And for Kepa, he said, no, 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 guys. October 16th is a significant day in Chelsea history. Last season at Brentford, Edouard Mendy did the same thing, had a masterclass, and we won a very, very, you know, terribly narrow 2-1 win. This season, it's the same thing for Chelsea as we went 2-0 away. Thanks to none other than the player that Bino will not talk about next, Money, Mace, Mason Mount, Bino, take it away. Honestly, I feel like my take on Chelsea might be a bit different than you. Of course. I think they've been lacking this season. I agree. I'm not going to lie. I think... We need to get rid of one player. Oh on the team. yes! Let's, Finally, uh, man, this is a good time for the podcast. Oh, yes. Georgie. Oh yes. Oh, please, we're waiting to hear people say Georgie this. Georgie oh. in, Georgie gone. Oh, I'm waiting for. It. I needed. We need a DM, man. Please yeah. get me a proper midfield. I've been saying this for months, for years. I want a pro. Ever since Matic left my football club, I've been screaming for. We suck in the Premier League because we can't control a game. No. Anyways, Ben, I'm sorry. I'm not he po- he tries to play a Pirlo game, and he cannot do that. He, Bro, it's just it's not there. Even like that anymore. It's not there. It's not there. It's not the right team. He's not the right fit, and he's not even a system player. Put him anywhere else, and he's trash. Put him on Chelsea. He's still trash. So what are you gonna do? He's going to take you penalties, but you can have other penalty takers on your yes, team. Yes, we don't need him to take penalties. No, bro. you can have other penalty takers. That's as he says it is. You know, I think. I, oh no, go on. I, I think that's where some of the big issues are coming from. It's difficult to bring it up, and I think the other bad move was to bring Sterling, in my opinion. Really? I think they tried to do a similar thing to City, uh, Arsenal. Arsenal, where they brought Jesus, and Jesus took over a bigger role. Sterling isn't ready for that bigger role. Sterling was ready three years ago, and then he lost confidence. Yes. And I think it was a bad move to bring him before that. Jesus was getting confidence before he moved to Arsenal. Yes. He scored four goals in a game, and then he was feeling himself. Of course, you bring him on. And then he's going to be able to help you. And he's going to be wanting to prove himself for his team. Sterling had nothing to prove because he played well in that Euro. And then it's going, going to be gone now. It's a very good point. So for me, Sterling was a bad move. I think bombing is a great move. Oba had a great loan spell at Barcelona. He showed what he could do. He showed that he wasn't done. I think he wanted to be out of Arsenal. And we've finally seen some of the Oba that was with Dortmund. And I miss that guy. Yeah, we we need to see him there, and we need people to feed him the ball. I think Mountain Havers are going to be ready to do it. Finally, man. I think we just need to fix that middle where the two behind them. Exactly. Agreed. Because if you can't start the ball anywhere, you can't do anything. If you let goals in because they cannot defend something, you have a great defensive core. But if you let Jorginho letting people right through. There's nothing Thiago Silva can do. Nothing Koulibaly can do. It's going to go in. Reese James, nothing he can do. Gone. It's And then you can blame it all you want on Mendy. Mendy hasn't been playing well, but it's not his fault in my opinion. Some of it is, but yeah. most of it is a team build-up of mistakes. So I think Chelsea has been grinding it out. Same thing as uh, Tottenham so far. You see the result. You're even not happy with the result. You, you're going to take some of the wins, some of the draws, because they're not losses. But at the end of the day, it's not the game that you want to see Chelsea play. Potter is going to change that, but it's going to take some time. I think it's too early for him to either be saying, oh, they won because of him. I don't think so. I think it's still two holes uh, system. Mm-hmm. You're saying two holes team. Yeah, but... I agree. It's the same thing when Lampard won the Champions League. It wasn't too close to you. It was Lampard's young core that created everything and went <laughs> I don't on think to it. Lampard won the Champions League. Yeah. I mean, it was Lampard's team. Yeah. Too cool, too cool, yes. Yeah. But it's going to be the same thing with Grant. Uh, he needs to wait a bit, create his own players, bring some of his own players in, and then change things. And when he brings his own style of football, then we can say it's and because of him. Chelsea or yeah, so Chelsea. I think Chelsea just needs to be patient and stop sacking their managers every two years. <laughs> God damn. That, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Give him two years. Give him two years to bring players in the team, the players he wants. Yeah. And I hope you guys don't bring Ronaldo. 
No, I don't want them either, bro. Please. Please bring the players that you need. I don't think it will happen, though. I don't have any doubt that. Uh, I've heard rumors, man. I no, no, of I'll... course. I've seen them, too. Yeah. But I don't think the United would ever sell to a yeah. pro- fellow Premier League rival, especially not to Chelsea. They don't like us. I know. It's not like they're giving up to Spurs or something. It would, they, they would definitely send them to ship them to Spurs. Spurs also. pose no threat to United. They're not worried about Tottenham. They're worried about us. Yes. So like Chelsea may have yeah. so much, like you mentioned, so much uh, you know, um, remnants of previous managers in the team. But at least, you know, Chelsea's a winning club. Like Absolutely. We've seen success from them multiple times. Even yeah. when they don't play well, success comes our way. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And I agree with you. To cut before, I don't mean to fully cut you off. But your point of saying that you want, you think Chelsea should give this manager more time. This is I'm saying this now, and I've said this before in the podcast. If I don't see Potter kept for around for at least two or three years, my my appreciation for Chelsea, my fandom, will almost instantaneously dissipate. I'm done supporting the club. I can't support a team of which I don't know there's loyalty. I need loyalty. That's one of my biggest traits, not only as a soccer fan, as a player, but also as a, as a person. And for me to see my managers get chopped and changed, which was nice because yes, we're winning stuff. But now I want to see what Klopp has at Liverpool. Well, he might be leaving soon. I really think he will. That's my opinion. What City have with, with Guardiola. Again, he also might be leaving soon. That's also my opinion. But that's later down the line. But I'd like to see that at Chelsea with Potter. I want to see this English manager with English core with Gallagher and Chilwell and Reese James and Sterling. What I agree with you is a bit of an iffy signing, but he does suit the the profile of we're playing now with these young Gareth Southgate-esque guys where everyone plays for a good England week in, week out. You know, and I think that for that sake, that's a good thing. But you're definitely, definitely right that the midfield is... We talk about this all the time, man. I say this every episode. I sound like a broken, like a dead whore. I'm beating a dead horse right now. But regardless, you need that that engine room to be consistent or else the rest of the team won't work. That's how football is played. At the highest level, you know, if the one, especially the midfield. But if you have one area of the pitch that is lacking, it will get exposed. And in this game, Villa, absolute torque. We got torn to shreds in the midfield. Caught open nearly every single time on the counter. Yes, yes, yes. I know you're thinking, oh, Steven, Ruben Loftus-Cheek is really good now. He's really improved. I agree with you. Loftus-Cheek has looked way more than prepared than we all hope he'd be many, many years ago. However, he has no defensive bone in his body. He is physical. He is tall. He does have some athleticism. I agree. But we need that natural and I say this all the time. I know we'd never get him, but that Chouameni from Madrid, that Rodri from, from Manchester, who, by, by the way, against City, against Liverpool was really good. That Rodri against Liverpool, you know, that type of player that allows you to, ena- what we call it, an enabler, an enforcer. Not only do they defend and are an extension of the defense. I've said this before, but they also allow the rest of the team to function fluidly, where they get the ball from the DM and immediately they know we can stop worrying about defending. We're going to go and attack full throttle, real Potter style. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry for my, my overpassion, but that's just how I feel right now about this game because I thought we played terribly. But again, last thing I'll say before being the goals is that in football, you can't always win every game pretty. And I will argue for Chelsea's sake as a defender of Chelsea is the fact that we are going through so much change. It's ridiculous. We have new American owners. When, when on earth do we ever think Barbamich was going to get sacked? Nobody thought that. Or going to leave. Nobody thought that. We ha- we're missing, our, I'd argue, our best player in Reese James. He's out for the next eight weeks, if not more. That's a long time to be away from the, from the pitch. We need him. He's one of the most key creators in this team. And finally, we have no midfield. Thank you. I've said my piece. You know what you should do? Put Armando Broya in. <laughs> yes, man, I like Broya. My old Bino brother, right yeah, there. Yeah, bro, we like Broya Chelsea. We love him. Big him up. Go ahead, Bino, man. We love Armando. Put him there. He's going to score for you. Yeah, You guys man. are still going to lose because he can't score all the time, but <laughs> he's going to score. <laughs> you don't rate uh, You don't rate Thiago Silva and Koulibaly? I do. Okay. I do. But that midfield right is still shocking. Silva is a legend. You, you can't take anything from Silva. He's old now, but he's still playing so well. And Koulibaly... We know Koulibaly. He plays his heart out. He's I rash, think, but he's good. Yeah, I think he's a good replacement for Rudiger. Same. I think he's a better replacement for Rudiger, too. Agreed. I 100% agree, man. So I Most think for me, would disagree with you. Absolutely. For me, it was a steal. Rudiger was rough and reckless at times. And I think Koulibaly has a little touch more than exactly yeah. that Rudiger didn't have agreed uh, even Fofana for me for who for me I absolutely love him just like William Saliba at Arsenal I think these guys these young French center backs are really proving something there I really miss these guys I, I know I don't mean to pick favorites as a Chelsea fan but it's normal that's what I do when I watch my team but there's some players that I wish would never get injured for my club literally never Reese James is probably one of the top two or three and I absolutely at Leicester I loved him at Saint-Étienne I loved him I've always been a huge fan of Vesti Fofana and I wish these guys were able to play consistently because for me, like I feel like you get the best of the best, obviously, when you play your best player. That's only natural, you know? 
But uh, anyways, I've said my piece on Chelsea. I've said way too much. <laughs> we'll move on to the final big six game, which I wouldn't even call them a big six, big six club anymore. They've kind of fallen off from grace. Manchester divided, as we call them now today, because they definitely did not play like a United team today. Let's be real. I would that game against Newcastle. Manchester United, nil. Newcastle, nil. But, you know, what do you think about the match? You thought it was a good game? One, you know, one you'd want to tell people to go watch highlights for? Or you'd say never, ever again would you ever recommend or anything that was really special about the match that you'd like to to mention? Nothing. Nothing. I think <laughs> I think the winners of this was definitely Newcastle, in my opinion. Yes, 100%. Um, they came out with a point. I like the way they played recently. They still have Sin Maxman that didn't play, and uh, he's still recovering from an injury. So yeah. you have a broken team playing against a divided team, and you see the result, same thing. I think Newcastle, if anything, could have won, in my opinion, because they... I know, I know, because they have that spark, and they have that counterattack that really has a pep into it. Man United is not united, as you say, divided. (laughs) Divided, bro, they're men divided. They're men that are on on the pitch united together because they're wearing the same jerseys, but divided by the nature of how they play. Yeah. And they don't play the same style of football. They play a little selfishly and they make too many mistakes that no one is ready to go and sort out. No one is ready to help out someone else on the pitch for it. You buy players to not play them. Why are you doing this? How are you <laughs> going to keep Ronaldo on the bench? Casemiro on the bench for so many times. <laughs> Their heat map, I have a better heat map than them. <laughs> so, I don't know. To me, it's... I understand Ten Hag is still sorting things out. I think there's a lot of issues with players that they need to get out of there. And that's what the the past manager said. He literally said, on the team, I have three players I want to keep. You had the goalie, which De Gea is a good goalie, in my opinion. He's the only reason they're not being worse. Yep. Last, <laughs> last year, I remember, he played a game where he had to save goals against his own team. yeah i remember that (laughs) he was stopping on goals he was taking on two roles he was taking on stopping the opposite team and his own team the guy was an all-star and i don't care what people say to me i think he's a good keeper at least for menu yeah he's a reason they can survive at the moment i think ronaldo should have kept good that they keep him i think he's going to leave i think he should leave you cannot disrespect a legend like this in my opinion agreed and I think, to me, Rashford is the future for the team as well. Really? You rate Marcus Rashford? I rate Rashford before his injury and before a year ago. If you remember the start of last season, yes, he was unstoppable. He had confidence and he was going at it. And he was taking the chance he had. Then he lost it and they didn't give him that confidence. And now I think he's struggling to get it back. Martial is playing amazingly too. And I think injury prone, but yes, I know. So I think you need to find a core around Rashford where you give him confidence, and you see some sort of really passion that goes into it. And he's there for the club, and you want to see someone who's good do better. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good analysis on United. I mean, I don't really pay too much attention to them. I'll be honest. On this podcast, it's not really a team that I overly analyze. I feel like United are. A team full of players that play a very, very different style than what the manager wants them to play, which is why it makes it hard for me to understand what they're trying to do because Ten Hag is a possession-based coach and United do not play possession-based football. So it's a very weird mix. Like you said, he's only time to get his players in and I I think they will be able to get that. I mean, the likes of Anthony, for example, I absolutely adore. Uh, I think he's a good sign of what they're looking to do going forward. And if they keep it up, they should have the ability to continue to be more of a Ten Hag team than just a, you know, an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or whatever Ralph Asker. Ralph Ranick, uh, United, you know. But anyways, we'll move on really quickly. Go over the next games. We had Brentford versus Brighton Munich, as I call them. Brentford 2 versus Brighton nil. Brighton had many chances. I'll be honest, this game could have finished 2-2. Could have finished 2-0 for Brighton. They were by far the better team throughout the 90 minutes. They created more opportunities. The only difference is that Brentford were playing at home. Had a very, very informed striker. And still do. He's been informed for some time this season. Actually, there's a stat going around that if Tony keeps up on the same rate, he might score 30 goals in the Premier League this year. And it tells you that, you know, he's continuously being Brentford's talisman. Scored a very, very, what Bino and I classify as a delicious, delicious flick. Really just... 
something you'd seen like a 7v7 or like some sort of like 5v5 or even in your backyard type of finish. Uh, really impressive finish from him. A great penalty from Ivan Tony as well. You know, a player we know is excellent from the spot. And a great result for Thomas Frank, who's been struggling a little bit with Brentford so far this season. Brentford, well, Brentford, Brentford. Bina, what do you, what do you, what do you think about the the victory for the bees against a, a very, very good team? I'd say in Brighton, who we know are a difficult side to beat. I think Brighton. I was sad that Brighton didn't get to score. I don't think uh, it's an undeserved win from Brentford. They you deserved so. it. No, I think Brentford deserved to win. I oh. think they are a good team too. They have a great striker. I think they took their chances and they scored their chances. Mm. And you can't fault someone for it. You fault someone when they take chances and they're shit chances. <laughs> and it's ugly goals and it's just no build up to it and nothing going on. Sheffield United. Exactly. But you have Brentford who actually tries. They have a team that plays cohesively. And on their good day, you've seen it against United at the first at the start of the season, four zero by half. So I think Brentford is that team to look out for on their good days. Mm. Right in for me. I have a sweet spot for them. Same, man. McAllister, Trossard, mm-hmm. Gross. Matoma, the new guy, the Japanese guy, he's good. He was very good. And I I, I like it. Well, back to, I know people no, no, think really, he's old now. No, bro, I love him. I love him. I love him. I still think he has a big impact on the team. Agreed. I think they have a great team. I Sad Potter left because I think he was really going somewhere with it, but mm-hmm. they're still his team right now. That's what I'm telling you. That's true. Brighton will keep going well. Because it's still his team. For the rest of the season, or until at least half of the season, it's still going to be his team. Now, when the new manager comes in and changes the things, we're going to see how they're doing. But for now, it's his players, his team, his style of play. And they keep on showing every week why Brighton can give you chances, can give you goals. And it is to be expected for them to give a fight. So true. Moving on to Leicester versus Crystal Palace. This game, I definitely won't be talking about much, very, very, very much about. It did not have that many, you know... Moment, our memorable moments in the game. Leicester nil, Palace nil. Leicester City. Oh man, I literally did a whole. Just wait for Friday, ladies and gentlemen. I did a whole episode on Leicester and rest, trying to rescue Leicester because I feel like this is a team truly in turmoil. At least they didn't lose this game. I know. I know. Normally, I predict Leicester to lose every single time I have a prediction. And actually, true to my word, from from my prediction of this game, I did say Leicester won, Crystal Palace two. So it tells you that I think Palace were going to win. Uh, it could have gone either way. To be honest, Palace had chances. Leicester had chances. Um, Leicester, my favorite player on Leicester, if you guys don't know, probably one of, one of my favorite players to watch right now in football, James Madison. He actually had a decent game, wasn't able to get that goal that Leicester were craving and he had chances to score it. But overall, Leicester were actually pretty good and were definitely, you know, a team that looked like, you know, they're finally trying to find some sort of momentum, but if, if I can even say that, and, you know, find some sort of rhythm in their system, which is exactly what they're looking for. Uh, for Palace, it's not a terrible result because a draw is better than obviously than a loss and away from home. Palace often don't do that well, so it's good for them to just simply take a point and run away. You know, they can keep up with this with this uh, lack of losing or un- form of not losing, rather, and kind of you know, go on with it going forward. So, good result for them. You know, what do you think about the, the Leicester versus uh, Palace game? The thing shock- that shocked me the most is the fact that Leicester didn't concede a goal. Especially in the second half. Which they are so the inconsistent. You see them start, you see them playing like the old Leicester, and you think the game is done. Yep. And then suddenly... Something happens at half. I, I don't, don't know, know what they're doing at half. What are they doing? Are they smoking like three, three, three packs of weed each? each, I, each? I'm, I'm, I'm sure someone Sharing comes up with a basketball, you know, like in Space Jam, yes. where they touch and all their powers goes away, and they become uh, rookie players again, yeah. and that's what, that's what happens. They forget how to play, and James Madison is left on his own, looking at ten dead, ten yeah. zombies or cadavers yeah. on the like ten like oh, just... uh, yeah, that's that's my take on it. And then oh. they still don't have a goalie to replace Michael right now. Oh. So Danny Ward. Actually, by the way, he made a good save on Ed, on Saint Edward. I give him credit. Know. He saved a very good shot to his right hand side. I thought guaranteed. Anytime I think I think I see any team play against Leicester and they shoot a shoot a shot on target, it's I goal. expected the goal win. It's but Danny Ward made a very good save, so I will give him some credit. Good save, Danny Ward. But yeah, that's my uh, that's my take from it. Yeah, the I most guess. surprising thing was again Leicester not considering a goal. <laughs> And then we have uh, Fulham versus Bournemouth. Again, we'll make this quick. Uh, again, two newly promoted sides. Fulham 2, Bournemouth 2. A very good goal in the opening stages from Dominic Solanke, a player who we know is pretty capable of scoring goals. He did very well in, in the championship with, uh, with 
Bournemouth last season. I think he's a former. He's played for Fulham. I feel like he might have. Anyways, I don't know. But the point is, good game for for both teams. I mean, another very exciting watch at Craven Cottage. Issa Diop scoring his first goal for Fulham for his new side, and, and then of course you know striker we expect to score goals for Fulham and Alexander Mitrovic scoring as well for Fulham. And then Jefferson Lerma also had scored in the game for Bournemouth. A very good finish from him. Uh, very good. Just an overall good game of football, you know, for the neutral. Both teams will not be disappointed with the draw. I think maybe Bournemouth will be a bit more because they were in the lead more you know, twice in the game before being pegged back. But overall, again, uh, a very entertaining watch if you were watching the game. So definitely team or two teams to keep an eye on going forward, especially Fulham, I think have been really quietly really good this season so far. Absolutely. Fulham is uh, interesting to to watch yeah 100%. you would have never expected them to play like this or Mitrovic to keep being at a high level like he is playing right now yeah and the first time I saw them playing against Liverpool I knew it was going to be like this this season mm-hmm. and you see the second game second third game fourth game you see a style of play that people are not used to they're used to a clean football and they go and they disrupt the whole game opposition yeah exactly and then Mitrovic to me, is as Latan on Sweden. Agreed. Where you pass him the ball and you expect him to score. He will give you that point. He will make sure that you're not losing or make sure that you're keeping a tie or if you're in a tie to put you up front. Always going to be there to at least salvage something or create some chance for you. Agreed. That's a good point. And then we'll move on to the next game. There's two games. This one we'll do, we'll do quick fire. Southampton, West Ham, Southampton, uh, Ended up drawing this game with West Ham, which is a good result for them. I thought West Ham were going to blow Southampton out of the water. Given the form that West Ham have been in, they played very well in midweek. Saeed Ben Rama scoring a beautiful free kick. If you guys haven't seen that, go check it out. It was a special goal. So, you know, just said that for a reason. Romain Perrault scored a goal for Southampton. A very good finish, my lad. It's actually pretty decent. I know it deflected, but it was a good finish. Making it 1-0 for Southampton. And then, the player that Chelsea fans are literally have on the tip of their tongues literally every single game week. We see him play, not for our club, but he is from our club traditionally, originally, or, or originally. He goes by the name of Basmati, Basmati Rice. Uh, it was a very, very good goal from Declan himself. You know, he said it himself. He couldn't believe it. He was saying, oh, wow, what a goal, what a goal. He literally screamed to himself when he was celebrating, which I thought was pretty funny. But classic West Ham. Declan Rice, you know, nonsense. Good finish from him, might I add. It was a very uh, clean curling finish, making it 1-1 in the game. West Ham had chances to go ahead and really kill off Southampton. Team will tell you are literally irrelevant FC. Is no, no, nobody really keeps an eye on them unless you're from the south of England. But beyond that, uh, very, very forgettable game of football, I'm going to be honest. Not a game I definitely would tell you guys to go back and you know, keep an eye on. So, or two teams to keep an eye on, rather. Bino, thoughts? West Ham have been disappointing this year. West Ham have been disappointing? I expected them to do a lot better. They they have a good team. Fornells, Ben Rama, Antonio. Paqueta. Paqueta coming in. Scamaka, big scam. They have a good goalie, too. Yeah, right, Fabianski. Even Ariel, a good keeper. And to me, it's just... It's the manager, mate. They're playing some dead defensive football with some of the most brilliantly, you know, talent-possessed... I'm not speaking English, but most talented or some of the most talented players in the Premier League. I know. And to me, that's why I I personally thought they would have done better. When I play with them on FIFA, I do a lot better than they are right now. <laughs> you so, use them in FIFA? Yeah, absolutely. Yo! Absolutely. Ew, man. Look at how Arsenal fan is this, using like, West I can't Ham. Go, I can't go with an easy team to play with. Oh, sure. You want to go on a struggle? Come on now. You can't play with City. You can't go play with Liverpool. Arsenal. You can't play with... No. Any of the big six teams. Yeah, you have to true. play with something else. And Spurs. Spurs is difficult. Yeah, but they have still, Hurricane, exactly. Hurricane he's, and he's broken game. on FIFA. Yeah, so Harry Kane and are broken. So like, that's why you have to play with West Ham. West Ham I'm fair, telling fair, you, fair. it's Hammers. the next best best team. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, when I play them, top of the table all the time. <laughs> if they played the my fo- my football, they'd be top of the fo- mm-hmm. table. They'd be too. destroying Liverpool. Absolutely. Oh man, Bino ball right there. <laughs> Moving on, man. Final game of the match week before we go into the fraud of the week. Wolves versus Nottingham Forest. Wolves won Nottingham Forest. Nil. I did predict the scoreline exactly correct, so I'm very, very proud of myself because I knew that Wolves only do one of three things. Bino always talks about this. A nil-nil, a 1-1, and 1-0, or even maybe a 2-1 if you're lucky. But Wolves never scored more than one goal in the game. This is only their fourth goal this season. They did only their fourth goal scored this season. And, of course, it was a penalty, not even a goal from open play, which tells you everything you need to know about Wolves this season. I'm going to be honest. They're going through a very rough time with looking for a new manager. Apparently, they were looking at Thomas Tuchel. You know, I was at one point, which I think is interesting. I think, I think that's pretty funny. I don't think Tuchel 
whatever go to Wolves. Uh, but Wolves, you know, with a, a fairly okay performance, they conceded a penalty of their own in this game, of which Jose saw, who's been hit or miss kind of the season for Wolves, made a very good save and kept it out. And Brennan Johnson, who had him at field at one point, uh, he missed the penalty. Thankfully, I took him out. <laughs> he missed the penalty. And then uh, uh, nothing, of course, come away with no points, which is very, very, you know, it's bad for them. Cooper got an FCC. Cooper got a new contract extension as a manager. I think he might get the sack soon, even though he's been given a new contract. I think full, uh, nothing for us cannot continue on this trajectory because sooner or later they're going to keep it, you know, keep up this terrible form and probably see themselves rooted in the relegation zone. Uh, good penalty from Neves, who I think is a really, really good player. I really rate Ruben Neves, but if not playing for a team that I really care too much about, I'm going to be honest. But, uh, I mean, Wolves on their on their day can be okay, but we call them sleeper FC because they make everyone fall asleep with how boring and dead their football is. But, you know, what do you got to say? I agree. Wolves have a good defense when they want to, but apart from that, nothing much can do. Yes. Nottingham Forest. Uh, I can't believe it. They, they spend so much money. I think they were the second highest spender uh, yes. in the transfer. Yep. And they've got nothing to show for it. 22 new players. I know. Can you believe it? Where's Here's my question. Will they even get 22 points this season? No. <laughs> You're serious, yeah? Absolutely. Okay, I'll hold you. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to hold you to that. They, have, they got 22, 22 new players. Are they even going to get 22 points? You're saying no. 18 points. <laughs> okay. Okay. We have that, that. You guys heard it here first on the STS squad. We'll remember that. I will definitely come back and no, uh, see, eat serious. my words, I'm, but you'll I'm see. Serious. We'll come back at the end of the season. Come back next week. We'll, we'll keep talking. We'll see Linger if nothing, nothing for us. Lingardino. Has become Jesse Lingard. He's become Jesse Lingard. Again. Morgan Gibbs White, Emmanuel Dennis, <laughs> Cheku Kuyate, Robin Gersons. No, not Robin Gersons. What's his name? Remo Foyler. But nothing. Yeah, nothing. man. Well, they signed, they signed uh, Nico Williams. But it's all new players, so they've never played together. Really, Bali. They've never played together. Let me keep going. I'm trying to remember, but who else did they sign? Niakate, uh, Musa Niakate. They signed someone else too, but how am I not remembering this? I will need. The list goes on. I'm done now. I'm done. Yeah. I promise I'm done. But. Yeah, uh, I'll give them some time to learn to put together. Maybe they can show something. But are they relegation bound for you? Yes. Damn, I had them. I had them finishing higher than my predictions. That's fraudulent for me. I know. Me too. Me too. Honestly. Yeah, I thought they might have been better. Than when that. I saw what they spent, when I saw mm, the manager how well he did last season yeah. with them in the championship, and I think the first game they played very well too. Yeah, they were decent. And they then were good. I thought something might be there, and we've been proven wrong week yeah. in week out ever since yeah. then. Absolutely. I saw the first game. I thought Burnmouth. Yeah, I man. Saw Fulham. I saw Nottingham Forest. Even Spurs when they lost, they were very good that game. And I was thinking, wow, we have newly promoted teams that have an impact on the Premier League, and so far only Fulham has so. been able to keep it. Everyone else has started to disappoint. Bournemouth nine nil. Nottingham Forest yeah. getting beaten nearly every week now yeah. by big margins. And this game, small margin because it's Wolves, but big margins. Yeah. So. I mean, losing against the Bulls right now is a big margin loss. <laughs> team must be Especially one goal, when they only score four. Oh, my God. Four goals in a season, and literally after 11 games, and they concede a penalty like that. Just Holland has more goals than them. Oh, honestly, bro. Anyways, when we come back from the break, the last break of the episode, we'll be looking at the assist of the week, the goal of the week, the fraud of the week, and then we will be done for today's episode. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I kind of just on a spot for you know. Normally, I let the, the guests or the co-hosts prepare for who they want to say, but I already have my answers in my head, so that's why I do it right away. But let's start off with the assist of the week. For me, the assist of the week. This is the tricky one. You know what? It has to be the Allison assist of Salah. I, I don't want to say it is, but it has to be. To, for a goalkeeper to have three assists in the last five seasons is utterly ridiculous. And let's be honest, the pass that Allison played was. Utterly magnificent. Not only the touch from Salah, but to find the ping. The Brazilian goalkeepers are a different breed, man. That was a wonderful pass from Allison, and it has to be my assist of the week. Bino, if you have anything in mind, if it's mine that I just mentioned, you can say so. If not, you can tell me what you think your assist of the week is. VR with Liverpool. VR. <laughs> nah. Not the fraud. You're, you mean assisting them? Absolutely. Yo, Maybe you're that's wild, the best assist. Bro. But no, assisting I, them to make City lose. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, Allison, Allison had this is a week shortly. Absolutely, Thank absolutely. You. That was a beautiful pass. But you told it. Brazil has the two best keepers right now. Well, arguably some of the best keepers. Yeah. They have Allison, and they have on the other side Ederson. 
Who do you choose? I think the only other country with the same problem is Germany. Germany right now. Yeah. With Neuer and Ter Stegen. Mm-hmm. By the way, Ter Stegen's really good. That's a random thing. But and oh, again, we, yeah. we won't talk about talk about this in this episode. But we know now we'll find a way to talk about European football because Madrid did beat Barca. PSG did beat Marseille. Juventus did beat Torino. So, I mean, just all the big games that happened in Europe as well. But I won't go into detail. That would be a whole different episode. But anyways, I agree with you that they do have a dilemma. I do think Alisson has to be the assist of the week, though, for Liverpool, surely. Uh, moving on to the goal of the week. I'll say it first. So, first. this way, it doesn't look like I'm piggybacking on you. Yeah, please, please, please don't. Miss him out. No! They ask you how you are. You just have to say that you're fine. when You're not really fine. But you just can't get into it because they would never understand. That's what I was going to say. I know. <laughs> you're so annoying, man. I was literally going to say that. I know. I had to say it because... <laughs> Everyone's going to say Albino's saying the same thing. They're going to say he's saying the same thing. You are not coming back on. Get him off the pod. You can't do that. I was literally just going to say that. <laughs> that Did goal? you read my mind? That's actually scary. Have you seen that goal? <laughs> what do you surprised. mean have I seen that goal? I was watching the game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I screamed when he scored. I couldn't believe it. I haven't seen Mount score free kicks since That's 2021 against Wolves. Crazy free kick. It was ridiculous. Crazy. <laughs> Yo, don't do that, bro. Don't do that. It's, I had to. 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 I'm sorry. This is the goal that I literally was hoping I'd be like, I'd be able to get my moment. I said, like, yo, Mount or Money Mace, Chelsea yeah. man, you know, you know, Chelsea boy. No matter what manager, no matter, no matter what system, he's going to get better. <laughs> he's in the second coming, Frank Lampard. I was going to go on and on and on and on. And you come out and say, yeah, Steven, bro. Mason Mount freaking. Absolutely. I'm telling you, it's the last time he comes, he comes onto the pod, I promise. <laughs> Anyways, uh, no, I'm, of course I'm joking. But I was going to say, that my goal of the week, since it's not the one that he literally just said, I guess for me it has to be Ivan Tony. That's probably my goal of the week. I think the, that flick from Ivan Tony is something you literally, like I said, it's something you never expect to see. And one thing I love about Ivan Tony is that he has such a variety of goals in his game. And a lot of strikers, they have to score in very similar ways or else they don't create the find, they don't find the back of the net. With him, especially with Brentford, who play a very, very... Somewhat of a very rudimentary kind of route one style football a lot of times, looking to go long to Brent and Bremont or Tony to sell it and kind of play from where the strikers are. But the way he scored this goal showed me just how tact- not only tactically versatile, but he finds himself in the right areas all the time. But the goals he scores are also just as interesting, Tony. And again, it's a brilliant flick from him. You know, really, really kind of put the dagger into Brighton's hearts. As soon as you can see the goal like that, your your mind and your your confidence is instantly it's diminished almost tenfold, and that's exactly what happened. I think it has to be Ivan Tony, for sure. Now let's move on to the fraud of the week. Oh man, I hate this segment only because it's impossible to pick. There's so many frauds in this in this bloody Premier League. Oh, my frauds of the week. This is tricky. My fraud of the week. Um. I want to say it's Anthony Taylor. I'm going to be honest. I think Anthony Taylor is one of the worst referees I've ever seen. I'm going to be real. I don't know how he got a job at the highest level of English football. I don't get it. Making sending Klopp off after taking a sh- how do you not se- how do you not book Bernardo Silva? I don't understand. Like you didn't even book him, didn't give him a foul. That is a mo- that's literally what we call like a is what we see in rugby. It's like a scrum in rugby. It was really bad from Anthony Taylor. Shocking refereeing, truly. He re- he always wants to become the main. He is suffering from main king. Main character syndrome, like there's no tomorrow. He did it again in this game between Liverpool and City. Made the game. It's probably why they put him on the game, but they knew he'd find a way to make it more interesting than it needs to be with him being the main, you know, protagonist of the match. So for me, my day, my, my week's fraud of the week is none other than the bald-headed fraud himself. Not Guardiola, uh, Anthony Taylor. Who's your fraud of the week, you know? Fraud FC. Man United. <laughs> I've spoken about them enough. You can go ahead. No, it's just... Nothing to say. It's front of <laughs> just, just Man United, yeah. period. Yeah. Okay, we'll end the episode there. <laughs> thank you guys for listening. This has been the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast. It's been a very, very enjoyable ride. Bino, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. I know it's late into the night now, but you still you know, showed up, so I really appreciate you. Thank you for having Making me your appearance, man. Thank you. And thank you for working around my schedule. I know it wasn't easy, but... Thank you. No, no problem, man. I hope that this is not the last time you end up being on this. I actually want to make this more of a consistent thing. If you're down, I'd love to have you more on where we do this. You come over just for a quick second. We do this and then, you know, go back on with your life. So absolutely. Yeah, man. I thoroughly appreciate that. Again, as always, guys, please make sure to download to subscribe to the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast. I'm absolutely everywhere. Every app you can think of that has a podcast section on it. Look up my name, Stephen Talk Soccer. You will literally, even just Stephen Talks, you will see me. I'm there. Uh, make sure to, to to share it with everyone you know that loves football as much as we do. As you know, this is the home of the most controversial takes and opinions. But for now, I've been your boy, the Don. I've been here with Bino. Deuces.
Hey everyone, are you enjoying the content? Please be sure to leave a rating and a review and to check out my other episodes. If you're looking for more Steven Talks Soccer content, you can find me at STS Pod on Instagram, at Steve Talks Footy on Twitter, and at Steven Talks Soccer on TikTok. Become a consistent starter in the STS squad.